Hi and welcome to church today. It's great to have you with us. We are starting a new series here in spring and this spring series is all about fresh voices. And so you're gonna hear uh, a few different preachers over the next three weeks uh, because today I start my holidays. Uh, so I'll be taking the next three weeks off uh, and so uh, this is uh, going to be a great period of time. It's two weeks of leave, but three Sundays. It enables, enables me to edit things and get it all ready for you each week. So this week we're going to hear from my dad, uh, from Clinton Wardle, who is the pastor at Berry Church of Christ in South Australia. They have been uh, enjoying being back together at church, face-to-face, -face, meeting together, something that I hope is in our very near future for all of us. And so this message he preached at uh, his church uh, a few weeks ago, and, uh, and I liked it. And so I said, hey, Dad, can you help me out? And can you record it for me and send it through? So that's what he's done. And so today is all gonna be about the worship and the word. And so we're gonna worship the Lord and then we're going to hear from my dad as he brings the word from the book of Romans, chapter 8. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to this message today from my dad. And I hope it blesses you like it blessed me. So let's open our service with prayer today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we can join together still here. And Lord, we thank you for spring. We thank you for the freshness. We thank you for the, the blossoms. We thank you for the, 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 the more sunshine that we're getting. And Lord, we pray that as the sunshine washes over our region and washes over us, that indeed, Lord, we would reflect your glory more and more. And so as we worship you today, may we do that with a freshness in our whole souls and in our hearts. And, uh, and Lord, may we worship you with voices that sing and praise you and your abundant greatness and goodness. And so may that uh, be a resounding sound from, from us today as we meet here together. And uh, as we do that, Lord, may you be glorified and praised and lifted high, we pray. And so uh, right now, Jesus, I ask that you come amongst us each where we are watching along today. And that, uh, Lord, uh, you would bless the message later in the service as well. And we, uh, we, we, we praise you. Amen. So we're going to have a few songs now, and then we're going to hear the sermon, and that will close us out for the day. So I trust that this service this morning would uh, bring, bring freshness and vibrance to you this, today. Blessings to everyone. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy
lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life. Our God is able. In His name, we overcome. For the Lord, our God is able. pleased to be able to uh, be speaking with you today. And as I get started, let's pray together. Wondrous and loving God, we thank you for the opportunity of worshipping you today. Father, I pray that as we come to your word, that you would speak to us, that you would be very real to us. And what we hear today, we would take on board as what you want us to apply to our lives. And so, Father, we give you thanks for your truth, your word. May you speak to us and may we hear, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to speak from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. So if you have your Bibles handy or your Bible app, maybe you can turn to Romans chapter 8 and uh, work with me through this passage. Do you ever get up from the couch and groan as you do so? 
Or maybe you've been out working hard in the garden all day and, and as you start to move or cool down later on, you start to ache and so you groan a bit as uh, these pains come and it seems to increase with age, doesn't it? It's what I find anyway. Romans 8.22 says all of creation is groaning. Verse 23 says uh, makes the point that we groan inwardly. But this groaning is more talking about our prayer life than whether we're getting old and have a few aches and pains and groan because of them. And I'm sure there are probably times when you too are praying and you dearly want to pray for someone but you don't know what words to use. That's when we might groan, so to speak, because we don't know what to pray for them. That's when the Spirit can take over and pray for us. In fact, Romans uh, 8, 26 and 27 says this to us. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, just a quick point here, almost an aside. That verse said that the Holy Spirit himself prays for us when we don't know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit groans for us when we don't have the words that express what's in our heart. But we need to make sure that we play our part, that we pray for what we believe God would want for that person or that situation. We can't be just lazy and, and say, oh, look, you know, the Spirit can pray. We can't be bothered. The Holy Spirit will take over when we run out of words and yet we still seek God's heart. We still seek God's blessing for someone. God knows our heart and he wants to hear our prayers. But the Holy Spirit will then help us. He will intercede for us for God's people. And as this verse says, he will do it both knowing our heart and knowing God's will. In all of this, we can be assured of God's deep desire to bless us and to bless those that we're praying for. When we give our lives to Christ, we can be assured that God will work for our good. He will do so actually because he has called us to fulfill his purpose on this earth. When I felt that God was calling me into the ministry, I felt that all I had experienced up to that time and uh, since, of course, both good and bad, everything has helped prepare me for what God wanted me to do for him in ministry. Things like the fact that I'd worked on a farm, brought up on a farm, uh, in shearing sheds, uh, worked in the fire brigade, in the funeral home, in door-to-door sales. In all these things, they helped equip me for what I'm doing right now. And on top of that, my life experiences with all their ups and downs, all the various kinds of relationships that I've had over the years have gone towards God equipping me for ministry for him. And yes, there have been times when I've actually been treated so badly 
by some Christians that I've had this saying, I've developed the saying, I'm so glad God is not like his people. Have you ever felt like that? You know, someone says something wrong or something to you that's a bit negative or whatever, and all you can say, I'm so glad God is not like his people. Come back to our reading, verse 29 goes on and says to us, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. One commentator has this to say, some insist that the knowledge here is not abstract, but couched in love and mixed with purpose. They hold that God not only knew us before we had any knowledge of him, but that he also knew us in the sense of choosing us by his grace before the foundation of the world. Others believe that Paul here refers to the fact that in eternity past, God knew those who by faith would become his people. This commentator, when he talks about predestination, he says, or being predestined, predestination here is to moral conformity to the likeness of his son. The reason God foreknew, predestined and conformed believers to Christ's likeness is that the son might hold the position of highest honour in the great family of God. Looking at this whole issue of predestination, some people say that because we are predestined to become God's children and to come into his kingdom, that we don't need to do anything to help other people also come to know Jesus. They will just all come by themselves, you know, God's going to do it. But that's not what this is saying. See, you have to include other passages to form a doctrine, to form an understanding of what this is about. And according to passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that actually talks about some divisions in the Corinthian church, uh, who's going to follow who, who, I follow Paul, you follow Apollos, it actually says there that or it's meaning that we all have a role to play in helping people come to faith. Look at verse, uh, verse 6. Paul says there, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And so from this even, this other verse, we can all have our part to play in helping people come to know Jesus Christ. After all, that's why God left us here, isn't it? He wants us to help others come to faith in Jesus. And when we consider that God has had his eye on us all of our lives, he has brought us into his kingdom, it helps us to see that God desires that we become more like his son Jesus. And to me, this predestination is a simple fact that God wants all mankind to come into his kingdom. Now, there is a process that happens. Verse uh, verse 30, I should say, points out a process that comes. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. See, this is the sequence by which God carries out his predestination. Now, the sad thing is some people don't respond positively 
to God's call on their lives. But God sets us apart for his kingdom. That's being predestined. He calls us into it by his spirit. And when we respond, we are made right with God. In other words, we are justified. And then when we die or when Jesus comes again, we will be glorified. When talking about being glorified, this is talking about that final stage, if you like, that of being in God's presence. But this is firmly grounded in God's set purpose. It's spoken of as if it's already happened. That verse said, "Being having been glorified. In other words, it's already ours. In Christ, we are glorified. And Paul then asks a very important question. Did you get that? What then shall we say in response to this? Great question. Now, I'm sure many of you have said, yep, I've done that. I've accepted Jesus. You have accepted Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. But there are some who are watching, I would believe, that haven't said that, that you are yet to say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. Now, looking at this whole process, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Isn't that fantastic? You know, I know there are times when we can feel that some might have it in for us, you know, that someone is actually against us. But when we look at this passage, that verse said, if God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, he's saying, who can win over us? Actually, the answer is no one, not even Satan himself. And that's because God gave us Jesus, his son, so that Satan could be defeated. Sometimes he just doesn't realise it. But in fact, the fact is, when we have Jesus in our lives, we are justified, we are forgiven, and Satan can't bring any charge against us. And that's because Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross to give us forgiveness of our sins and therefore eternal life with God. And Jesus, if you read that verse, is now interceding for us as we live our lives here on this earth. And he is praying for us. You know, knowing that should just give us great comfort, should give us the strength to carry on living for Jesus no matter what's going on. Look at verses 35 and 6. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, that doesn't sound too good, does it? We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, if we just stay there, 
If we just only focus on all the negative, all the bad stuff that's happening in our lives, if we just stay focused on this COVID-19 stuff all day, every day, then we're going to feel bad. We may even get depressed. But we can keep, but if we can keep our eyes on Jesus, if we can look up to him for help and for comfort and strength, then we can claim the next few verses. Look at verses 37 to 39. No, no. In all these things, all the stuff that's going on around us, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, whatever that holds, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Did you get the positive nature in this verse, in this passage? This is not written as a suggestion. This is not a might be. Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ, through him who loved us. And that's why it's so important for us all to have a living relationship with Jesus Christ, our Saviour Lord. It is through him that we have the victory. We are not victims. We have the victory. It's through Jesus that we are more than conquerors. It is all possible because we have the Holy Spirit in us when we have accepted Jesus Christ as Saviour Lord. We have the Holy Spirit in us and he is able to empower us to overcome whatever we face when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and when we choose to give him all the glory. Now, I know that can sound pretty, maybe too easy and too simplistic. I know that for some people, even making the choice to lift our eyes to Jesus can be so very difficult. Even making any decision can be overwhelming for some people when they're really down, maybe even depressed. But can I encourage you that Jesus understands, that Jesus knows your heart, and you know the Holy Spirit within is groaning for you to God? As he does, I believe you can rise up and you can start get back, to get back on track with God. And the Holy Spirit, we need to understand, is interceding for us. That's what verse 27 said, didn't it? And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. That's you and me. He intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So no matter what's happening in our lives, we can know for certain that God understands and through the Spirit we can experience his healing and his peace and his confidence to rise up and get back into life the way God wants us to. The only thing we need to do is to take that first baby step of crying out to God to put our trust in him and the Spirit in us will then intercede for us He will be able to then rise up. We'll be able to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul experienced all the ups and downs of life as we do. 
He went through some horrific trials and yet he was able to say, as we read in the passage, for I am convinced, that's a good word, isn't it? I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The most important thing we can take out of this whole passage is to gain that same confidence in God that Paul had, to be able to believe, to be able to live by this truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that fantastic? So God has made a way for us to be in his kingdom for eternity. And that is through accepting Jesus Christ and his sacrifice as being for each and every one of us. By saying, yes, that's me. Yes, I believe that Jesus is God's son and I accept him as my saviour and Lord. You know, when we say that from our hearts, we are saved. Simple as that. We are forgiven and we have in that moment of decision begun to live eternally. Now, if you have never made that decision before, can I ask you to make that decision today? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to be able to stop and say, yes, I believe Jesus is God's son and I accept him as my saviour and Lord. If you believe that, if you've even spoken that out or spoken it in your own heart and mind, can I encourage you to tell someone? Maybe it's a minister, maybe it's a, a trusted, close Christian friend that say, you tell them, hey, I've decided to give Jesus my life to Jesus today. You know what? They're going to be so thrilled. They're going to be so excited and they will want to help you and support you in your faith journey. And when that happens, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, I believe our passage from Romans 8 becomes even more powerful in our lives. Now we can go on, we can believe things like verse 37, it comes real for us. No, in all these things, all this COVID stuff, everything that's going on in our lives, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can also live for Jesus confident of verse 39. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Wondrous and loving God, we do give you all the praise, all the glory for your word. It is truth to us. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone out there who has um, said, hey, that's me, I need to give Jesus my heart, my life. I need to accept him as my personal saviour and Lord that, Lord, as people have said that in their own hearts and minds, that, Lord, you have come into them by the power of your spirit, that you would equip them to move on in life, to grow in you, that your word would become real to them. This passage even would become so real that they would say, hey, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. And so, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us, even in this week ahead, the reminders of these passages from Romans chapter 8, to be able to say, you know, God gives us the victory. 
We don't have to worry about what's going on around us as long as we can keep our eyes on Jesus and keep looking up and keep confident in our faith and trust in Almighty God. And so, Father, I pray that you would pour your blessing and your grace into each one who's watching today. May they experience you in a very real way today and into the future. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a, a most blessed week and that uh, you remember that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for you. They are interceding for you. And I pray that Christ will be that conqueror for you in your life and that you can go on confident in Christ. Have a great week. Blessings.
Thanks for coming along to church today. It was lovely to have you with us. We'll love to see you next week. Blessings.